You're listening to a podcast by the BCG Henderson Institute, BCG Think Tank. In this series, hosted by fellow Dave Young, we'll interview business leaders and explore how companies can build competitive advantage by creating a sustainable world. Now on to our episode. Welcome again to Building Competitive Advantage in a Sustainable World, where we explore how companies in capital are developing new models that improve sustainability. And today, I'm very excited to welcome Tony Goldner. Tony is the Executive Director of the Secretariat of the Task Force on Nature-Related Financial Disclosure, the TNFD. TNFD's mission is to develop and deliver a risk management and disclosure framework for organizations to report and act on evolving nature-related risks, which aim to support a shift in global financial flows toward nature-positive outcomes and away from nature-negative outcomes. At the BCG Henderson Institute, we're researching how forward-looking companies embrace the challenge of climate and sustainability to create solutions and new business and competitive advantage. And they're often reshaping the basis of competition in their industries. And from our perspective, rarely in business history have companies had such an opportunity to capture new advantage and growth. And so I'm delighted to welcome Tony to discuss how he and the TNFD are accelerating this transformation, what's happening and what the aspirations are. And so to begin, Tony, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit more about your career and journey with sustainability to the seat you hold today in the TNFD. Thanks, David. It's a real pleasure to be with you. My background, well, it's pretty diverse. I uh, trained as an economist and political scientist, joined the Foreign Service, the Diplomatic Corps of the Australian government for five years, then moved over to investment banking from one extreme to the other. And then after a stint at grad school in the US, moved into strategy consulting, largely around economic development for 10, 12 years, including uh, time in private sector consulting, uh, much like you, and then some work through the World Bank. Quite a diverse background. Sustainability and environmental issues have been sort of features throughout that journey. Joining Greenpeace as a teenager was probably the first civil society membership I ever had as a kid. When I was a diplomat, I had interactions with the UN environmental agencies in Kenya, where I was posted. And then in my advisory work later on in life, working with a number of global corporations on this corporate sustainability strategy before the 2008 financial crisis, and then more recently around nature-based solutions and scaling up sustainable finance initiatives and impact investments. So it's been an interesting journey. All of that led me to TNFD and been with the task force since its inception uh, late last year. And Tony, could you share a bit more about sort of the genesis and the aspiration, urgency around the TNFD? How did the need for nature-related financial disclosures result in this task force? A number of different people sort of came to the same realization at a similar time, which is that, you know, the world had charged off to deal with climate change, but of course, climate systems are only one part of our broader natural systems on which we are 100% dependent for our livelihood. So the, really the question was, well, what are we doing about the rest of those systems other than the climate systems? Nature loss has been accelerating for decades. That's pretty well established in the science. And there's been a big, strong focus on conservation and preservation of natural reserves and key species, et cetera, around the planet. But the engagement of finance outside of philanthropy and government spending on conservation has been something that I think really lagged behind. And so the question was, how do we get 
business and finance more mobilized and engaged in this agenda and building on the work of the TCFD on climate. It's not just about helping to save the planet, although that's a very laudable objective. It's also about playing to the self-interest, the enlightened self-interest of companies and financial institutions to say, listen, nature loss is accelerating. The risks to you as a business and the risk to your financial portfolios, whether they're equity or, or lending portfolios, is increasing. You need to be paying attention to this agenda. The consequences are rising. We're seeing that more and more as the years progress, even just this year with Huge flooding in Pakistan, 33 million houses and, and families are impacted by that. I think a million homes destroyed. At a company level, we're seeing agricultural producers hit not just by droughts and issues of water availability, but also the loss of pollinators to pollinate key crops. So this is an impact and an issue that's rapidly rising up the corporate and financial agenda. And so I think there's very good reasons why we now need to tackle this with some urgency and business and finance need to be at the heart of the solution, not uh, treating this as a corporate social responsibility issue. Tony, you mentioned the TCFD and many of our listeners will be very familiar with that. I've certainly regarded the TCFD as probably among the most strategic interventions in propelling attention to longer run risks and changing investor and corporate mindsets. As you said, be aware of both the risk, but the opportunity that's represented in there. Now, TNFD, in my mind, sort of faces even a broader remit than TCFD, and maybe in some ways more diverse in covering many different sectors. What successes and challenges from TCFD are guiding the development of TNFD or guiding the way you're thinking about it in terms of propelling change? We've very much been inspired by the TCFD experience. And I think at its core, what TCFD has done, obviously alongside the Paris Agreement, is to shift the mindset in business and finance. So yes, it's about regulation and about standards and about reporting and disclosure. And typically those initiatives come with a bit of a compliance mindset amongst companies and financial institutions. But I think TCFD's had a bigger impact. It's actually changed the way in which companies are thinking about climate as it's relevant to both risk and opportunity. And that's really fundamental. And that's what we wanted to replicate. And so what we're doing to build on that is we've kept the structure, the language and the approach of TCFD and our approach to TNFD. So we've got the same four pillars that underpin the TCFD approach, governance, strategy, risk management, metrics and targets. And we're very much trying to build on top of what TCFD has done, because what we need and what I think business and finance want is ultimately an integrated set of sustainability reporting requirements, not a piecemeal fragmented approach, which is causing, I think, quite a lot of frustration, quite rightly at the moment. So we are really trying to build on top of TCFD. And when Task Force started its work last year, and we put out a number of draft releases of our framework over the last 12 months, but when we started, we essentially asked ourselves three questions. What can we keep from TCFD because it ports over nicely to the nature context? What in the TCFD approach can we keep but needs some level of adaptation because the nature context is different? And then the third question was, what do we need to add because nature is sufficiently different, that there might be a good case for adding some additional disclosures or recommendations on top of what TCFD has done. So over the last 12 months, we've really been working our way through those three questions. We've got some more work to do before our recommendations come out in September next year. 
but we're really designed to build on top of it and make sure that the approach we're coming up with is as interoperable as we can with climate reporting and with other sustainability reporting that's also under development. And Tony, that's quite an aggressive schedule. This must be quite a race since you've uh, come on board in terms of making this level of progress. As you're talking with companies and others, policymakers, what are the challenges in convincing businesses and the investment community of the urgency around nature-related disclosure and nature-based solutions for that matter? Three key things. The first one is getting more and more businesses and financial institutions to think about their dependence on nature. And this is often missing in the language that we apply to climate and to nature. We don't talk about our dependence on the atmosphere. We take it for granted that the atmosphere is going to provide us with the oxygen that we all need to breathe as human beings. If we thought we were, the planet was going to run out of oxygen in five years, we'd probably be showing a lot greater urgency. But on the nature side, there are ecosystems that are running out of bees and just not going to be able to pollinate crops. So we've got to introduce, when we think about nature, because the impacts are so local and so much more complex than seven gases going up into a shared atmosphere, we have to be thinking about this notion of dependency much more than we are today. If you're an investor in California's almond crop, California produces 80% of the world's almonds, you might be thinking about water, but are you thinking about the fact that almonds are entirely dependent on pollinators and the bee populations are declining? And in fact, bees are in California being stolen because of their implied economic values. So if you're a bank lending into the almond ecosystem in California, are you really thinking about all of the dependencies that your financing has on nature or are you just thinking about water, right? So part of the issue is we've got these blind spots because we don't have an integrated view of risk exposure to nature-related risk. And so the first thing is really to sort of open up that aperture, think more broadly about dependency on nature in a way that I don't think many businesses and financial institutions are doing today. The second thing is we recognise everyone is very heads down focused on climate and climate's been a real lift for most businesses and financial institutions. It's been hard. You know, there's a lot of public pressure. There's a lot of political pressure. Regulation is well and truly now in development. In some cases, it's moved into mandatory. So climate's been a big lift for many companies and many financial institutions. And so there's simply a, an issue of how much more can we take on? And so I think what's really important here is we need to try and move to some element of parallel processing. We can't do these things sequentially. We have to be starting to deal with nature alongside climate, and that's hard. But the reality is, as everyone focuses on net zero transition planning and the hundreds of billions of dollars that are being lined up to be spent on transitions, we simply won't get to net zero if nature's not at the heart of that. And so part of what we're saying is we've got to be net zero and nature positive at the same time. That requires extra capability, extra learning, extra knowledge and extra tools in order to be parallel processing climate and nature together. So that's really hard. And that leads to the third point, which is just around capabilities. Even many of the world's biggest companies and financial institutions, they don't have anyone dedicated in-house on nature at the moment. They may have been building a climate team over the last few years, but nature's an entirely new agenda. And that's why at TNFD, we're not just focused on disclosures, we're also focused on risk management because we want to be trying to get more and more companies and financial institutions on the pathway to starting to look at these issues because many of them have said, don't just tell us what we need to disclose, we actually need help to understand these issues and how do we build them into our risk management 
whether it's an enterprise risk management or portfolio risk management approach. One of the things that have struck us is that this perspective actually can be a huge motivator to innovation of the business model. When someone says, I want this to be net zero and nature positive, you have to begin thinking differently about what you do, how you do it, the value chains supporting it, the ecosystem around it. Are you finding innovation to be in the discussion right now? And what's your perspective on innovation as a driver to nature positive solutioning by companies and investors? Our approach, like TCFDs, is to focus on risk and opportunity. And what's really interesting in our discussions over the last 12 months, it's the companies in our task force. The task force is made up of 40 members of companies, financial institutions, and market intermediaries. It's really the companies in the task force who've been pushing us to not lose sight of the opportunity side of the equation. And we're seeing really exciting, I think, opportunities starting to emerge. So, you know, it's not hard to envisage new nature markets emerging. We're obviously all familiar with carbon markets, but there's now a lot of interest around biodiversity markets. But even beyond that, we've had people like Hank Paulson talk about soil as an asset class. And so I think we're just at the very, very early stages of this wave of innovation that's ready to happen as we think about completely changing our relationship with nature. And I think at the heart of that is treating nature in a similar way to we treat infrastructure. We've got to treat it like an asset and there are existing proven models for how to invest in infrastructure over the long term, which require joint efforts by government and business sort of public-private partnership type models. You can have long-term offtake agreements for certain outcomes that are deemed important. And then we crowd in the long-term institutional patient investors like sovereign wealth funds and pension funds and everybody else. So I think it's just about changing the nature of the relationship is going to unlock this wave of innovation. We're already seeing some very exciting examples of that starting to gather momentum. And Tony, you mentioned the composition, this mix of companies and investors, public perspective as well. It's by its nature, bringing those perspectives together to sort of think about this problem. But how does that foster and what might be some examples of sort of cross industry collaboration to solve the some of the technical challenges and maybe the reporting challenges that are actually a theft of bees because of the scarcity of pollinators with respect to agricultural needs? Those aren't really solutions within the bounds of a single company in many ways. They really require this collective action. How do you think about that and what are you seeing? So a collective action approach is at the heart of what we're doing at the task force. We call our approach open innovation, a concept that's been well established in the tech field and others. And we fully recognize that if we're going to find the right place on this spectrum between the relatively simple, clear and comparable information needs of the market on the one hand and the complexity of the science on the other, that we've actually got to crowd into this effort a lot of different stakeholders. We're doing this in a very open, collaborative way. We've got now 750, almost 800 institutions supporting the work of the task force. We've had some 60,000 views of the draft framework up on our online platform. And we've got about 100, 130 pilots underway. So we're encouraging companies and financial investors, much like early adopters of Facebook or Instagram or a piece of software, jump online and say, hey, we really like this cool software you're developing. We want to help pilot test it and give you feedback and push it to the next level. We're doing that with this set of recommendations. So it's a somewhat unusual approach for the development of standards and regulation, but we're actually finding the interest 
We're working with all of the standards bodies like the new International Sustainability Standards Board, GRI and CDP to bring in all the standards expertise. And of course, there are lots of others developing frameworks around target setting like SPTN and the Natural Capital Protocol and others. So this is genuinely a collaborative effort. We don't pretend in the task force of 40 members to have all the answers to this. And there's a lot of complex problems that we have to address in the next 12 months to get to our recommendations. And probably the most complex area for development is around the metrics. What gets measured gets managed. How are we going to arrive at a fairly simple yet comparable and science-based set of metrics? That's our next big challenge for the next three to four months for the task force. Tony, I don't know how it appears from your perspective. From mine, I've been pleased with the rates of recent progress toward the ISSB and the beginning disclosure, accountability, transparency. These things become so critical if we're going to accelerate progress and even a lot of people comparative ways to set aspirations as well as identify best practice or better practices to imitate. How are you and how might TNFD help focus disclosure and perhaps lead to some simplification? You mentioned the collaboration you're already going through. How do you see this evolving? On the disclosure side, the approach we've taken is to build on what's already there. We're trying to pull in what's already there, what's working, what's proven. And I think the market's been quite happy to see that explicitly in the framework because everyone's exhausted from fragmentation and having to join up too many dots in this landscape. So the first thing is to build on what's already there. And as I mentioned before, we're building explicitly on top of the TCFD recommendations so that at the end of the day, and hopefully that's not too far away, we end up with an integrated set of sustainability disclosures. The second thing I think is to ensure that there's interoperability between the different standards at quite a sort of technical or detailed level. We've got to make sure that we build a framework that works for people in different jurisdictional and different contextual circumstances. There's been a debate, an ongoing debate around issues like single materiality versus double materiality. At TNFD, our view is that we're a tool developer. We want to build a tool that works across requirements. That's our task. That's our approach. Whether someone is in a single materiality jurisdiction or depending on their vision and value of their company or a double materiality environment or mindset, we're hoping to build something that works for everyone. The other aspect that makes this more complicated before we get to the simplification piece is that unlike climate, where I think you can really focus on the big emitters and break 80% of the problem, On nature, because the impacts are so local, we have to build an approach that pulls in the participation of companies up and down supply chains. We have to be getting the local farmer and the medium-sized enterprise that's a wholesaler involved, as well as the world's biggest food and beverage manufacturers, if you think about the food supply chain. We've got to build something that works across the entire supply chain because, of course, they have to collaborate. Back to your point before, David, about collective action. They have to work together in sharing data up and down their supply chain as we think about the equivalent of scope three emissions for nature. How are we going to account for impacts in very localized contexts if people are not supplying information up and down the supply chain? So that's another challenge for us. But all of that speaks to the need to come up with something that's fairly simple yet science-based. The key to that is taking a sort of leading indicators approach to the metrics. We can't possibly put everything in there that deserves to be measured from a scientific perspective. 
So uh, the challenge we have ahead of us now is what are the key leading indicators across the land biomes, the terrestrial biomes or land biomes, marine biomes and the freshwater biomes. That's where we're focused. We think about the world through these realms or biomes of nature. I think the final point that I'd make is that we're certainly not going to come up with a perfect answer the first time around. So our goal in September next year is to come out with version 1.0 of the TNFD framework, if I can continue the software analogy. What's most important is we put forward something that gets market participants started, and then it will need to evolve and iterate over time. And there'll be good reasons for doing that. One is the policy landscape is changing. The second thing is that consumer expectations are changing, so companies will want to start disclosing different information. And the third thing is that the technology tools are rapidly emerging, which will enable us to start measuring different things with greater degrees of sophistication and confidence. So you've got all these dynamic variables around us and around a framework like the TNFD, which are going to make this easier over time. And we're seeing some very interesting and exciting developments on the technology side with satellites and LIDAR and eDNA. All of these new developments are coming, which are going to make it easier for companies and financial institutions. Tony, we've just come from the COP and we're heading to the Montreal Biodiversity Summit in December. What's your aspiration for that gathering? We're all hoping for an ambitious global biodiversity framework. So this is being billed as the sort of Paris equivalent for nature. It's much delayed because it was due in 2020, but because of COVID and other things, China was unable to host this gathering. And so we're now two years overdue. So I think we really need an ambitious framework of global policy goals and targets for nature. There is a draft that's being heavily negotiated at the moment. I understand there's still a lot of square brackets, so there's a lot of work to do in a very short period of time. But I think it would be in everyone's best interest if there was an ambitious set of goals. And there is a particular part of the framework called Target 15, which relates specifically to our work and the disclosure and reporting of nature-related impacts and dependencies. Many businesses have already called for a robust set of language there. Even mandatory disclosure has made its way into the discussion. And I think that's really a signal that the market wants a clear and consistent approach so that they know exactly what to do and that there's a level playing field for reporting going forward. I think sort of a couple of things probably coming ahead. One is it's less now a question of whether there'll be regulation on nature-related risks, but more a matter of when. Our job as TNFD is to build a voluntary reporting regime, but we've also got a lot of interest from regulators as we go about our work. The second thing, as I mentioned before, I think we're going to see a huge amount of innovation in new products and services and nature-based solutions. So I see new nature markets emerging. The third thing is companies should be thinking about this as a result, not from a compliance mindset, but very much from a risk management and an opportunity mindset. Those who are coming into this and looking at TNFD as just another annoying you know, compliance exercise that's potentially going to cost them a lot of money, I think are missing out on what could be a huge transformation of the way business and finance is done. Much better to embrace this positively as an opportunity to improve risk management and make your organisation more resilient and also open up new opportunities that are fast approaching. Tony, it's been a real pleasure to have the opportunity to hear from you, to, for you to open the window on TNFD so that we can see the potential, the excitement and the opportunities ahead. Thank you so much for what you're doing. We really welcome 
this progress and look forward to what it can mean for companies and capital going forward. Best of success in moving with TNFD. Thanks very much, David. This podcast was part of our series on building advantage in a sustainable world. For more information on this and other topics, follow the BCG Henderson Institute's research online at bcghendersoninstitute.com and our podcast series on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.